Good morning. Are we having an earthquake or are my legs shaking? <laughs> you know, when I speak to a group of uh, English uh, speakers, it always happens. So, uh, in this congregation, we have a good number of uh, new parents, many children, and a good number of newlyweds. Uh, I imagine that those who recently got married... I uh, surely have plans to have children too. Right, Melan? <laughs> I decided to prepare a study that talks about the discipline of children. Of course, the study is not only for the purpose of giving advice to new parents uh, or for the ones who are thinking of having children in the future, but it is a, a study that will help us all to be able uh, to guide or help people in general, family, uh, friends uh, with the advice of God. I know many of us whose children are grown up now, uh, sometimes we think, I wish I could have done it this way, you know, or I probably would have changed this, you know, but it is in the past. We did what we thought at that time, it was the, the right thing to do. The best thing we can do now is to help others based primarily on the Word of God and our experiences and failures. I know that there are no perfect parents and there are no perfect children, but if God, God's advice is followed, everything will be so much easier. Uh, so let's begin talking regarding the discipline of children and allow me to give you some tips uh, that will help you raising your children. Remember, you and your children are the future of the church. Keep that in mind. You and your children are the future of the church. Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse one to four that Colby read, says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on earth. Fathers, do not exasperate, provoke your children. Instead, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Discipline. The word discipline encompasses the entire training process. Include a good example of parents. It requires that there be an atmosphere of love, peace, and harmony in the home. There must be much expression of these qualities both in deed and in words. Undisciplined parents cannot discipline their children. Discipline, in, uh, discipline includes teaching. There should be a systematic program of Bible teaching for children in the home. It is important to set aside time for this and not neglect it. It is not secondary. It is not optional. It should come first in family activities. Very simple. During home Bible classes, it is very important that children participate in everything. In reading the Bible in commenting, in asking questions, and in expressing themselves freely. Otherwise, parents will not know if their children really understand and accept the truth. It is imperative that each child loves God and have strong convictions. During classes at home, as in conversations in general, parents can know and be sure if their children are understanding and accepting the truth about all biblical matters. 
If a child has conviction and loves God, parents will not have so many problems regarding corrective discipline. Now remember this. Children, spiritual teaching is the responsibility of the parents. The church helps. And the children should be present in all the meetings and Bible classes. But the church does not substitute for the parents in the spiritual direction of the children. Parents must approve and praise all obedience of their children. When they don't, children are discouraged. The misconduct of the children must always produce an attitude of disapproval in the parents, and that disapproval must be expressed. But in the same way, the good conduct of the children must always produce an attitude of approval in the parents, and that approval must be expressed too. All disobedience must be corrected. The word discipline includes correction, punishment. Each child must be taught, trained, and corrected according to his own individuality. Let's go to Proverbs, uh, the 22nd chapter, verse 6. Proverbs, the 22nd chapter, verse 6. A famous verse in the Bible. And teaches this. It says, Train a child in his way, and even when he is old, he will not depart from it. The emphasis in this text is on the word his. On his way. That is according to his, to his or to her own mentality, ability, and disposition. Many parents fail to raise their children by not giving them individual attention. It is good to have many children as long as there is the strength, time, and money to raise them well. I'm not saying raise them in luxury. But raise them well. Okay? Uh, there are many, many children who do not receive the attention they deserve from their parents. We cannot raise children, uh, children in groups. Each one is unique. In the same family, one child will be shy, another will be aggressive, one son will have the ability and inclination to be a mechanic, another to be a teacher, uh, one son will always be happy, happy another cry baby. <laughs> Let me tell you this. It can be believed that the very shy child is the, be the best child because he never causes problems. <laughs> but he can cause even more problems than the others because he may hold all kinds of complexes and rebellions in his heart. The others, more expressing, will do their wrongs to be corrected in a timely manner. Be very careful with passive rebellion in children. Now, the question is, when to correct them? Let's go to Proverbs, the 13th chapter, verse 24. Proverbs, the 13th chapter, verse 24. It says, He who restrains punishment hates his son, but he who loves him corrects him early on. It is sometimes said, I will correct him when he or she can understand. The truth is that children are born very intelligent. From early, very early, they must be corrected. 
Some parents want to correct their children when they have, they have to look at them like this. It is too late. So they must be corrected early because they are born wanting to impose their own will. They want to get away with it. They want to manipulate and slay their parents to serve them. They want to be pampered in everything. They want their every wish to be a law and a commanded commandment for the family. Am I exaggerating? Listen well to the crying and screaming of a baby and honestly say that I'm exaggerating. I am not. It is true. Remember, I have sex. So, are they born depraved? In no sense. Are they born with original sin? Nothing at all. They are all simply born with their own will and want to impose it, impose it on others. If the baby in arms, angry and scowling, says no to his mother or father, it should be corrected and not just with words. He or she must learn at once that this is not allowed. Very simple. Remember Proverbs the 29th chapter, verse 15. Proverbs the 29th chapter, verse 15. It says, The rod and correction give wisdom. But the spoiled boy will shame his mother. Crying is a strong weapon, if not the strongest weapon, that the little ones use to impose their own will and to punish those who dare to oppose them. This is precisely where the bad temper begins. Those who are not restrained, those who cry and scream until the family gives up, persist in this all of their lives. The world is full of violence due to this terrible failure at home. The problem is that in most cases, the parents have the same temper, behavior, attitude, and they think it is normal behavior. It is not. Many parents fear the crying and screaming of their children more than any plague. A brother in Christ uh, said that in an, an unforgettable case, he observed when a child uh, was hammering nails into the living room wall. The father said to an older boy, take the hammer away from the child. And then immediately cancel the order saying, no, let him because he will cry. That's crazy, you know. I remember when my children wanted to use this weapon. I used to tell them, ah, do you want to cry? Let me make sure that you will cry for real, you know. And they will, they will immediately stop, you know. So uh, remember that each person is born believing that they are the center of the universe. The axis on which the world revolves. Therefore, he or she expects and demands that par parents siblings, relatives, and, neighbor, and neighbors overindulge him, cuddle, pamper him. Young children can be very crafty and cunning. For example, they don't want to sit, during, uh, uh, they don't want to sit still during worship, and they say, I want to go to the bathroom. If he's not sick, he can easily wait until the class or service is over, but they don't want to sit still for so long. The movement of children during worship, going to the, uh, to the bathroom or drinking water, etc., causes a lot of distraction. 
It is important that their parents, uh, that, that their children, uh, that make sure, you know, that their children go to the bathroom and drink water before class or worship begins and then learn to be reverent, you know, to give reverence to God. In some congregations, children are set aside during the preaching service so that they will not be in the way of others. It is a great mistake to do so. Because children must learn to be to behave well in the assembly. What's more, they must listen. Let me tell you this. Children are very smart. They will test you. You will tell your boy, you know, sit here. And he will sit there. First thing he will do, he will move a little bit. If you don't say anything, he will move a little bit more. If you don't say anything, he will put one foot down. If you don't say anything, he will put the other foot down, you know. If you don't say anything, soon he will be playing under the benches. That's how they are. They are very smart, you know. They will test you, okay. Or... He or she will start moving, complaining, or crying. So the mother will take the misbehaving child to the quiet room. Where in most churches, they have uh, speakers in the quiet room. So the mother listens to the sermon. But allows the little boy to be playing in the quiet room. So, well, that will tell us immediately what the little boy will do next time. That he doesn't want to be listening to the, to the sermon. Or in the Bible class. You know what he will do? He will ask you, you know, that he, he will start bothering you. Because he knows that you will take him back, back there, you know, to the quiet room. And he will be in his home, you know. He will do whatever he wants, you know. I agree that the misbehaving child should be removed from the meeting and punished. And then immediately brought back to the meeting with the explanation that he should sit and be still. Very simple. Love requires discipline. Bible says, he who restrains punishment hates his son, but he who loves him corrects him early on. The attitude of, me, of some parents is expressed like this. I don't want my children to reject me when they are older, and for that reason, I do not punish them now. It is actually quite the opposite, because undisciplined children do not respect their parents. Many grown children despise and even abuse their own parents. Not only do they not look after them, but they are cruel and abusive towards them. They have no natural affection. First Timothy uh, chapter 1 verse 10, if you want to go with me. First Timothy chapter 1 verse 10. Let me just say it like this. It speaks of Parasites and matricides. The Bible talks about it. The undisciplined children are capable of committing these crimes. Matthew the 15th chapter and Mark 7 describe the Pharisees lack the natural lack of affection in despising parental care. Many verses in the New Testament as well as in the Old Testament require Require respect for uh, for the parent, you know, and denounce the lack of it in many cases. Uh, 
for example, Ephesians, the uh, sixth chapter, verse 1 to 3 that we just read, talks about it. Leviticus 19, verse 32. Leviticus, the 19th chapter, verse 32, says, You shall rise up before the great headed and honor the age. Right, Larry? We agree with that text, right? Exodus 21, chapter verse 15. Anyone who attacks their father and mother must be put to death. Deuteronomy, that 27, chapter verse 16. Curse is anyone who dishonored his father or mother. Proverbs 20, chapter verse 20. If you insult your father or mother, your lamb will be put out in outer darkness. Why God talks about it? Because it was happening. It is real. It is a fact. And we can consider, you know, Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 9. Hebrews, the 12th chapter, verse 9. Uh, where it said, you know, that we had our earthly parents discipline us and we revered them. Now, it is very important, extremely important, that corrective discipline is administered by both parents, okay? If they do not agree, they should reach an agreement privately and never let the children know that they are not together in this. A brother in Christ mentioned that he knew a man who was raised by Christian parents who became a uh, wicked man, you know, adulterer, drunkard, drug addict. And on one occasion, he asked him, what had caused his downfall? And he told him that his father was very strict. And that his mother did not support him in disciplining his children. In other words, in this way, the mother, by opposing discipline, defended and supported his rebellious son. Of course, the infidels cannot blame others and be justified. However, without a doubt, the attitude of this sister contribute to the failure of her son. If the father goes to work and tells his son, you will not watch TV today for this reason, the mother needs to support that order given by the father. Otherwise, children are very smart. And will know how to get away from his father's discipline. Now, we are not to be cruel, not abusive, do not punish to take revenge. We already read uh, Ephesians, the sixth chapter, verse 4, but now we can read Colossians, Colossians, the third chapter, verse 21. It says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they become discouraged. In Proverbs the 19th chapter, verse 18, Proverbs the 19th chapter, verse 18, it says, Punish your child while there is hope, but do not rush your soul to destroy him. We have a question here. What does the prohibition 
do not provoke to anger means? Well, number one, do not be cruel, abusive, abusing physical force. You know, by the way, the use of the hand should be avoided in punishing uh, if, the bell, uh, if, the, if the spanking or the bell is used sensibly, there is no danger of harming the child's body. Okay? And of course, please, don't, do not use the chancla. I don't know if you know what is the chancla. The shoe, you know, the shoes. So, many parents are cruel, not only with physical punishment, but also with words. That is that they frequently criticize and even make fun of their children. They may do so by playing, but it is not a game for the child because he feels embarrassed or hurt by the game. Parents should not be cruel to their children in any way, but should love them and always be good and kind to them. Only the necessary correction must be administered and this must be done with love. Psalms, the 103 chapter... Verse 13 and 14 says, As a father has compassion on children, the Lord has compassion on those who fear Him. Because He knows our condition, He remembers that we are thus. Faithful parents remember that their children lack experience and they are patient with them. They feel sorry for them. Number two, don't be unfair. Make sure the punishment is appropriate, adequate, without being excessive. Many times the punishment do not punish, does not punish. The important thing is that the punishment is consistent with the disobedience. Sometimes the so-called punishment is motivated by anger uh, or feelings or hard-headedness. When a child is punished in this way, he recognizes that it is not fair and that it is not really correction but that he is a victim of the immaturity of his parents I remember this uh, example the, uh, uh, someone mentioned this you know that, that the father get, get angry with his boss at work you know he got angry with his boss at work and then gets home and he hits the wife then the wife gets angry with her husband. And she hits the children. The children get angry with their mother and they hit the dog. <laughs> this process has nothing to do with biblical discipline. You know, for example, there is a difference when a little boy drops a glass of water on the table by accident. You know, when the father asks him, uh, pass me the salt. He comes and accidentally he drops the, you know, the glass of water. And when the father is telling the little boy, stop playing on the table while we are eating. And he continues playing. And then all of a sudden he dropped the glass of water because he's playing. Do you see the difference? Can you understand the, uh, what I mean? Now, number three, don't be biased. Okay? Remember the case of Jacob and Joseph. And the envy and anger of Joseph's brothers. Okay? First uh, Timothy the five chapter verse twenty one. First Timothy chapter five verse twenty one says, "I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels, 
that thou observe these things without preferring one, one before another, doing nothing by partiality, doing nothing by partiality. The Bible clearly tells us that we are not supposed to be biased, okay? Now, number four, don't use hollow threats, okay? How many women repeatedly say to the child, John, Johnny, don't do that or I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you. Johnny, don't do that or I'm going to spank you. And Johnny, don't do that because I'm going to uh, spank you. And they never do. And if they do, it's with a weak slap. The yes must be yes and the no must be no. You need to speak once and they need to obey. Very simple. <laughs> Parents sometimes teach their children to react only after some three or four reprimands. They teach them that the first time they say something to them, it doesn't count. That what counts is the third or fourth time and in a very loud voice, you know, almost screaming. Parents must be consistent and compliant and disciplined. It is a very, very serious matter. Number five, do not humiliate or embarrass them unnecessarily. For example, in front of their friends, you know. Uh, for example, a child with bedwetting needs help to correct it. But humiliating and embarrassing him exacerbates the problem. Number six, do not use foolish means to punish. For example, scaring them by locking them in a small dark room or telling them lies, you know, around people or things that could, could harm them. For example, I will call the old man, you know, to come and get you if you don't behave. Okay? Or uh, uh, the monster will come to get you if you don't go to bed and fall asleep soon. In fact, you know, I heard a mother telling the little boy, if you don't believe, Chucky will come to get you. Chucky! What is that? Chucky doesn't exist. It is a lie. There are many examples of this kind of discipline. Parents seem to feel justified no matter how big the lies are, as long as there is hope that will serve to slow down their children a bit, they are fine with it. These tactics are used to substitute for the physical punishment that God requires. Number seven, do not ignore them. We hope that children will listen to us when we speak to them. But many times, we ignore them when they speak to us. I am sure that some of us have observed cases in which children or young people politely approach their parents to say something and wait, not to interrupt. But their parents ignore them. This is not correct. If we want our children to listen to us, we should pay attention to them. Let's practice the golden, the golden rule. Okay, Matthew, the seventh chapter, verse 12. We have to practice that rule. I remember that in a, news, uh, in a newsletter a brother received was told the case of a boy of some three or four years old who correctly asked for, you know, for butter, you know, pass me the butter. But there were visitors and they all chatted, you know, with encouragement and ignored the boy. 
That little voice grew a little bigger each time he said, please pass me the butter. But it didn't work until he finally got up on a chair to ask for it with a yell. It is when the father listened to him, but with a slap, he lowered him from the table. What an injustice. What an injustice. Amen. Number eight, expecting too much of them. Even the great apostle Paul says, when I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I judged like a child. First Corinthians, the third, third chap, 13 chapter, verse 11. It is not fair to expect the boy to understand, do or act like a man. Or, or, or the girl, you know, to understand or act like a woman. In short, in short, in order not to provoke to anger and do not and not to discourage children, parents themselves must be mature and not give free reign to their emotions as children do. They should sincerely love their children, have great confidence in them, and earnestly yearn, desire, crave one for their physical, mental, and spiritual development. They should diligently teach them be good example for them, and then correct all disobedience with appropriate punishment, not too much, not too little. Proper correction is one that seeks obedience and respect. That's what it is, proper correction. The one that seeks obedience and respect. In other words, it is a sin not to make them obey. If the father says to his son, close the door, he's supposed to do it. If he says, get off the couch, he has to do it and do it immediately. If he said, you cannot go, then he doesn't go. Very simple. <laughs> Just like that. But what happens? Let me tell you what happens. I have to drink water because English, you know. <laughs> makes my mouth dry. <laughs> but what happens is that many parents give orders and prohibitions even with threats. And the children ignore them because in many homes, not the parents, but the children rule. Children rule and parents submit. This arrangement is rebellion against God. And such parents will give account to him on the final day. Parents who do not require obedience from the children are disobeying God themselves. Now the question is, are there any benefits of correct discipline? Well, let's see what the Bible has to say about it. Proverbs that 23rd chapter verse 13. Proverbs that 23rd chapter verse Verse 13 says, Don't refuse to correct the boy, for if you punish him with the rod, he will not die. Parents should not allow their punished child to cry excessively. Many times the rebellious child cries and screams as if he is dying. You know? But crying and screaming are tactics of rebellion. They are, they are weapons to scold, punish their parents. 
The following verse right there, you know, verse uh, 14. Proverbs 23, verse 14. But he will deliver his soul from show. You will save your child's soul. It is a solemn uh, thought. And there are many texts that teach it. Let me tell you this. Discipline has a lot to do with the eternal salvation of your children. Because rebellious children, those who do not learn to respect and obey their parents, do not obey God either. Just like that. Plain and clear. Proverbs the 10th chapter verse 1. Proverbs the 10th chapter verse 1. It says, A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son is a sorrow to his mother. Proverbs the 29th chapter verse 15. 29 chapter verse 15. It says, The rod and correction give wisdom, but the spoiled boy will shame his mother. Many children and young people are foolish because their parents did not teach them wisdom through good discipline. Many children are spoiled by their, par by their parents, grandparents, siblings, and others. Every child wants to get away with it. He wants everyone to overindulge him, to pamper him, and crying is his means of demanding it. It is an extremely successful weapon. The attitude of many parents is that the child is given or done whatever he wants so that he does not cry and scream. Wrong. That's not good. They can't stand crying and they don't love them enough to quiet him down or to make him stop. It is easier to indulge him even if it is to his ruin. Many children are more intelligent than, than their parents. They do not recognize that they play the role of blackmailer, who to get away with it, keep their parents under the threat of yelling, crying, and kicking. I'm sure that you have seen that. Those who have grown up children know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and, and probably some of you who have little ones too, you know. Let me tell you this. The word spoil basically, basically, basically means left to the government of itself. Job, on the 39th chapter, verse 5, says, Who let the donkey free? Who released the swift? To spoil means to release, to live without control or restriction. Such children and youth will surely embarrass their parents, but their parents will be to blame as well. Proverbs 29 chapter verse 17, Proverbs 29 chapter verse 17 says, Correct your son, and he will give you rest, and give joy to your soul. I'm going to read it one more time. Correct your son, and he will give you rest and give joy to your soul. Let me finish this lesson by mentioning that some 
great men who fail in the Old Testament to discipline their children. Eli. Uh, 1 Samuel, the third chapter, verse 13. His children have blasphemed God, and he has not hindered them. Samuel. 1 Samuel, the eighth chapter, verse 5. Your children do not walk in your ways. David. His father had never sat in, talking about Adonijah, in all his days by saying to him, why do you do this? This guy and other uh, sons of David committed great evils. The lack of discipline certainly contribute to their misconduct. I hope this lesson will help us all. And I know this sermon was not to inform you what to do to become a son of God. But if you have been studying the Bible and are aware of what to do and would like to give your life to Christ, we encourage you to do it as together we stand and sing.